HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by One House. Learn more about our comprehensive hospitality solutions at one-haus.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, October 5th, 2016. And this is the 118th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the co-founder of Tech Table Summit, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be a forward thinker, brainstorm, inspire, and lead. We know that change is inevitable, so why not be the one who pushes the envelope and creates the next best thing? Work towards a better future by thinking ahead and not settling. Onwards and upwards, as they say. That is my tip today. Now, my original guest today was supposed to be Maureen Cushing, the VP of Technology and Processes at Union Square Hospitality Group. But something came up and she couldn't make it. So she is also the co-founder of Tech Table Summit. And I have another one of the co-founders here today, which I'm super excited about. So it is Becky Tarani. She is the director of client management at American Express. Becky's passion for innovation in the hospitality space stems from her vast experience in the industry. As part of the industry development team at American Express, Becky leads business development strategies and manages award-winning brand sponsorships in the sports and restaurant industries. Before moving into the hospitality and sports space, Becky worked in the buying department at Bloomingdale's, where she directed multiple departments and launched a successful men's private label. 
Becky received her MBA from the NYU Stern School of Business and her BA from Indiana University. So hello, Becky. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sherry. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. I know this is a little last-minute switcheroo that we made happen, but um, I'm, I'm very excited to be talking with you and hear more about your career. Sure, same here. Excited to be a part of the show and glad I could pinch it. Yeah, yeah. Excellent pitch hitter. <laughs> so um, I like to start out with guests and just find out about their background. So how did you how did you get into the industry? How did you end up at American Express? Like what was your career after um, after graduating from Indiana University? Go Hoosiers. Sure. Oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> Another Hoosier supporter. <laughs> well, I went to Michigan, so I'm 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 pretending. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job, Sherry. You had to be fooled. <laughs> um, sure. A little bit about me. Which thank you so much for the great introduction. A little background about me. Um, I started my career working in buying at Bloomingdale's, and really enjoyed the fast-paced, um, quickly moving retail. Segment, And I went back to get my MBA at NYU just to kind of round out my skill set, learn a little bit more about the business world, and ended up just meeting a lot of people I liked at American Express. And that's how I ended up there post-business school. So I had a couple different roles on the business development and partnerships side of the world. So I did restaurant industry strategy for a while, which is how I got connected to Tech Table, and also ended up managing a lot of partnerships and doing some strategy work in the restaurant and sports verticals. And then now I actually work on partnerships within the digital space with some of the fastest growing online companies. So it's been an interesting career progression and kind of taking what I've learned from the hospitality space and doing partnerships and strategy there and now bringing in the layer of working with digital companies. It all kind of works together to help um, better inform the work I do at Tech Table. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you've been at, how long have you been at American Express? Just a, a little over four years. Okay. Um, yeah. And and do you com- combine, I mean, is it combined the, the sports aspect and the hospitality aspect or are those sort of separate? It was kind of one of those interesting nexus where I was doing restaurants and so managing all the different ways that American Express can further bring value back to either our restaurant merchants or our card members. And then um, there was a need to actually innovate on the sports side as well, and that's sort of how it ended up on my plate. So in theory, they're not really connected, but they're both really fun industries, so I really enjoyed working on both. Right. So what's what's like a, a project yeah. you're working on, on now, like mm-hmm. how or a day in the life, um, just to get a little more detailed as to what you do? Sure. So now a lot of what I do is with digital companies. So a day in my life is really essentially around what I'll take like one of our clients, for example. So one of my clients will is Pinterest, which I'm sure you're familiar with the platform as a consumer. Sure. Yes. And so a day in my life is essentially we'll fly up to San Francisco, meet with Pinterest, kind of understand how are they trying to grow their business. And especially right now, they have a huge user base, but they're just starting to monetize and starting to find interesting ways to um, take that user base and really get some additional value from it. So whether it's advertising or maybe facilitating the opportunity to buy right on the platform. So we'll work with our merchant partners on how are they trying to grow their business. And then 
go back and look at what are the different tools within American Express and opportunities for us to help unlock growth. So a lot of what I do all day is trying to connect the dots between how my merchant partners are trying to grow, what's happening in the industry, and where can I facilitate growth. Yeah, well, I mean, Pinterest is, I mean, that's a huge client to have as, you know, as it's a huge social media um, I don't know. It, it's gr- it's grown tremendously, and and just to be working with them, I'm sure there's that keeps you on your toes. <laughs> exactly. It's fun because you know when this whole space is still emerging, right? And even coming back to tech table, even tech within hospitality is still emerging. So there's always something new or different that either the merchants want to try or have tried and have learned some lessons. So we just keep iterating together. Right. So. Well, that's a good segue into Tech Table. So, Tech Table was founded. There's five co-founders, you being one of them. So, how did how did the idea come about to put together this conference? Sure. So, it all started from, I guess, almost a little over two years ago when Lauren Hobbs, who's one of our co-founders, who's the director of marketing at Union Square Hospitality Group, brought together our group of women just to have a network of women who are somehow connected at the nexus of hospitality and tech. And so Lauren had met all of us, I think, through different stages of life. Lauren and I became connected because she worked at American Express for a little while, right after business school. And Camilla Marcus, one of the other co-founders, and I actually went to business school together. So we're all a little bit connected from other walks of life. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so Lauren brought us all together. She brought Maureen Cushing, who's the VP of Tech at USHD, and Jackie Badson, who has done a number of different freelance projects and at the time was working at Google. And we just kind of were talking about the innovation in this space. And in my role at the time, I was being pitched by all of these different restaurant tech startups that wanted to partner with American Express to grow their reach from a consumer perspective and a restaurant merchant perspective. And I was looking for innovation here in places for Amex to partner, but where I, I felt like there was just such a disconnect between the tech that was being created and the needs from a merchant perspective. Right. So, so, you, so, you, oh, so you, yeah, continue. <laughs> so, so I was just going to say, so I was just kind of, I was meeting with all these entrepreneurs and I just couldn't find anybody to work with that was really creating something that brought value to the whole ecosystem. And Camilla was doing the same thing in her role at USHG, and each of these women were somehow coming up this against the same, like, roadblock. And so we just started chatting and kind of got lunch a couple times, and we were like, maybe we should create a forum where we're actually facilitating the conversation and be one of the groups that actually pushes the conversation forward. So instead of just kind of sitting around and being like, oh, it's so tough, we can't find any solutions, actually helping create the change and push the industry forward. Yeah, no, I love it. And you launched last year was was the first conference, which I was unable to attend, but I I heard it was amazing and I was there this year. So um, when you were doing the lineup, your first lineup last year, like how did you come to, you know, who were going to be guests or who were going to be speakers and, and come up with the the areas to cover? Because tech is a huge field and hospitality is as well. Yeah, so we tried. It was so hard at first to kind of narrow in on what we would do, especially because it's just one day. 
And so you can't kind of dive deep into every topic. But what we used as our really our guiding principle was where was there a real need for conversation between operators and tech providers? So where was that nexus of high tech and high touch and using that as a key point? So we kind of used that as our guiding principle, and then we also leveraged a lot of industry insight. So Danny Meyer, who has been tremendously helpful as we put together our program and really defined our voice, kind of helped us understand what is top of mind from an operator perspective and really tried to touch on a lot of different areas. So we had a panel talking about reservations where there was a ton of innovation there. Um, talking about social media, discussing big data. So we wanted to kind of hit on what the key topics were and make sure that we brought an operator and a tech entrepreneur perspective to each topic. Yeah, well, that that makes sense. And I love your tagline, high tech for high touch. It, it's, it's catchy and it clearly states what, what you guys are about. Oh, great. Thanks. You're welcome. No, it's a good one. Um, yeah, so, and then moving into this year, did you, I mean, did you look at last year's program and obviously, well, I'm jumping around in my head, but I'm thinking like over a year with technology, a lot of things have changed. So that probably influenced the lineup and the, the people you invited to be to be on in this year's um, summit. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't want to set the... We were so raring to go right after last year's summit, and we had all these great ideas. And we were like, but we don't want to set the program too early, to your point exactly, Sherry, because the industry changes. And it may be like a player that's hot one year, the next year has been sold or changed their business model completely, right? So yeah, <laughs> we kind of had to manage the two. But the nice thing is that our tech table community, even from our first summit, really has been super engaged and open and with their feedback. So we did deep dives with a lot of our panelists and attendees about how could we iterate and improve the program from a structural perspective. And so immediately took that feedback in. And then as the year progressed, started to think about our topics as we got closer to the time to make sure that it was as relevant as possible because tech changes so quickly. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So we can take a little break here and come back. We'll yeah. dive more into what, what was the content at this year's tech table. And uh, so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by One House. At One House, we noticed that most serious chefs and managers don't hang out in brightly lit offices. So we go out in the field to gather the best talent wherever they may be. We meet and talk to them like humans used to do back in the day. We are the people people. Our talent sourcing covers salaried dining room, kitchen, and corporate professionals. We thrive in Michelin-starred, James Beard, and mom-and-pop environments alike from coast to coast. Drop us a line at one-haus.com or at info at one-haus.com for our confidential, up-to-date, and relevant career options or if you're an operator seeking a culinary or management level pro. 
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Becky Tarani. She's the Director of Client Management at American Express, and she's the co-founder of Tech Table Summit, which took place last Wednesday, and I was there for this conference, and it was it was really fabulous. I, I, I enjoyed it. The space the space is lovely. Also, the Appella um, event space by River Park, um, such a great venue. And it was a full-day lineup of of talks on tech and hospitality. So, um, Becky, what what were did you have some some highlights for you, or some some of the talks that that maybe um, stood out the most, and you know, best most takeaways? Yeah, um, I mean, we're all. I think we're partial to every piece yeah, of the program. I know because I we don't... put so much thought into each of it. I know. Not, it's like asking you your favorite, favorite panel. Yeah. I didn't mean to do that, but because <laughs> I, they were, they were all, they were all really interesting and you covered, I mean, it covered a lot of bases from, from the, I don't know. I was, I, I loved the presentation by Nick Kokonis and Brian Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. of Talk and Alinea Group. I mean, just running through what they're doing with operations um, but it was all pretty, it was all fascinating. Oh, that's, thanks so much, Eric. Yeah, I love that talk, talk. Talk, talk, yeah. <laughs> Especially because I'm a bit of a data nerd. Yeah, though they had their present, I, they had that, those slides going up and I was, I don't know, I'd never seen such diagrams on, and, and just, um, organization with kitchens and costs and it was I think it was um eye opening to people of like how how well they've thought out what they're doing um at Alinea and with the talk program. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just what Nick and Brian and the talk team are really doing is like the average operator I think thinks that like, oh my restaurant is full every night. So that's kind of the best that I can do, right, that I've reached the pinnacle. But they're sort of taking things to the next level and being like, where can I improve the guest experience and simply just get some ancillary revenue and grow their brand beyond just having a full restaurant every night. And I think that's really cool and really pushing things forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, looking at some of the other ones, yeah. there was the the – POS what's possible with with uh if I'm saying right Gokul Rajamam Rajaram from Square and Maureen Cushing she did the 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 interview with that and that was that was cool just cuz Square has come such a long way with with pro- being able to provide credit card access to so many businesses and just to see what's happening with chip readers and and that whole discussion um I thought that was very interesting Oh, great. I'm glad. Yeah, I think it's really cool because Squares kind of has reinvented a lot of the ways that consumers or really merchants think about POS and point of sale. Like now your cab driver has a little square dongle and can take credit cards right there off the phone. And it's just kind of opened up opportunity for small business owners and is really taking payments to the next level. And I think POS is always a pain point from a merchant perspective for restaurateurs, and I think it's really important that we highlight where there is innovation, whether it's with Gokul at Square, and then also even going to maybe the non-sexy side, which was our security panel. Oh, yeah. But that was interesting. Oh, good. <laughs> we tried to make it interesting because it's something that's important to think about. 
Yeah. The, no, it's not. I mean, I mean, on the on the other flip side of that talk um, with Ellen Bennett of Headley and Bennett and her her energy and her talk, the millennials approach to social media. I mean, she just lights up the room and um, just made me made me realize I shouldn't wear black all the time. <laughs> Because she's so happy. I don't know. She's for for people who don't know. Headley and Bennett makes um, chefware, uh, really really fashionable, cool new chefware, and she 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 basically just hit the streets and marketing it herself, and has done phenomenal. Yeah, I love how she honed into the importance of being authentic and mm-hmm. bringing your brand down to life. Like she's she was talking about posting about things that she just thought was really cool. And she's all excited about it, and I think that translates in her authenticity. When you meet her, she's exactly like she seems on social media, which I think is a really cool yeah, cool takeaway. And then um, she also gave some really cool takeaways about what you should look for if you're looking to hire someone to manage your social media and some pro tips about are they a good photographer, can they write some captions and copy, and giving them a little homework to do as part of the interview. I thought that was really a good takeaway. Yeah, no, it was it was good for me to hear too, just about her hiring uh, someone to to work on her social media and represent her brand and who she was. Because um, I know I struggle with that, and my and my myself and my own business being like I have to do everything myself because no one's me. <laughs> and um, and I think you know I think it's hard to find someone that represents your brand, but they're out there and. Um, it's it's possible, you know, and she's been able to do that, and and yeah, she had some really really good tips. And then the other the other topic that well, I was going to talk with Maureen about, but um, her her talk watch the floor with Ben Leventhal of Resi, and I had on Ben on my show. I looked it; it was two years ago when Resi was in its more initial stages and so they've really come a long way in, in growing growing their restaurant reservations but this is a whole new thing happening with a partnership with Union Square Cafe that uh, Resi is not only going to be doing the reservations but using the the Apple Watch or the watch to uh, to um, make make service you know change how services and make it more efficient I don't know if you want to talk about that or your thoughts. Yeah, we are so excited to be able to present this opportunity, kind of launch this launch at Tech Table, something that Maureen and Ben have been working on for almost a year together. And it's really cool and exciting and definitely a next-level integration of um, what was traditionally, and probably this was what Ben was talking about two years ago, a reservation platform that's really expanded beyond just helping consumers find tables and brokering that exchange, but really providing value back to the operator, whether it's customer data, so CRM data, and kind of really going beyond to using what other hardware is available, like the Apple Watch, to provide some real-time insights and direction to people on the floor. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think, um, I mean, I know USHG has also had a long-term relationship with Open Table, So to, you know, for, for to give this a go is, is very cool. And to try something, 
try something new that's innovative. I mean, it was it was definitely the big reveal of the day, you know, um, and I'm excited to see how it works. You know, I think people are curious to see how how if a sommelier has is wearing the resi Apple watch and is being alerted to get a bottle of wine and bring it from the cellar, um, making things more efficient or I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how it how it how it plays out in you know in real time (laughs) yeah absolutely and i'm very excited to go to the new union square cafe when it opens as well so this is another reason to get in the door and check it out yeah no i'm excited for it too i think they're looking at a november um opening now so that should be um, i think i think a lot of people are anticipating it and i'm sure it will be great yeah and i think maureen and ben from what I hear there's um, there are so many more ways that they can even expand the technology beyond what they shared day of. It's a lot of test and learn in that setting, too. So very curious to also see what the ripple effect is within the industry. So what else they're going to learn from that pilot and what else will be tested out there on the floor? Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, no, it's 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 very cool. I think I think we'll I'm sure on the show we'll we'll be watching out for it. No pun yep. intended. <laughs> and uh yeah, no, it's it's cool. They're smart the smart people and uh and Union Square Hospitality Group everything everything they do is always always on point. So, we'll, yeah. We'll... And one of the I think what we're especially excited about from a tech table perspective and being able to launch this is that it's a true collaboration between an operator, in this case, Maureen at USHG and a tech provider, so Ben and his team at um, Resi. And it's really working together to create something that is really valuable and really enhances the operator and customer experience. So it's kind of the embodiment of high tech and high touch and the dialogue that we try to foster with tech table. Yeah, that's great. So I'm assuming there will it's there will be a new a tech table next year. It's an annual conference, and do you do you do them in other cities as well? So that's a good question, Sherry. We're thinking through what else we can be doing for with tech table. We have such a fun and engaged community. Our hope is to have another conference next year, and in 2016 we actually took tech table on the road and hosted two small community events in L.A. and Chicago in partnership with culinary agents where we had just one panel but focused on specific topics and had a couple tech providers and operators from the local market just kind of talking about the nexus of hospitality and tech and where there's innovation in L.A. and Chicago. And that was really fun, and it was really cool to kind of expand the reach outside of New York and test out the smaller format. So hopefully more to come in 2017. Okay, stay tuned. <laughs> yes. Hopefully coming to a city near you. <laughs> okay. Well, good to, good to know. And on that note, we're going to take another break and then we're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is only industry on Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> for this break is brought to you by Taxstar, and this track is called Third Degree Rugburns. 
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Becky Tarani. It is time for my speed round game. So, Becky, what this is, is I'm going to name two or more things. It's an either-or preference situation, and you just pick your preference. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. Okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? Ooh, tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive, for sure. All right. Resi or open table? It's a tough one. (laughs) Can I say no comment? <laughs> yeah, you can. That's probably not a fair one. Um, you can say no comment. How about my my easy my easy one is uh, well, shack burger or chicken shack? Oh, shack burger. Okay. Um, cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Last one, Manhattan or Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Cool. That's the game. You're quick. I just know what I like, I guess. <laughs> I love that. I've had, I had, a, I can't think of who right now, but I had a guess. Same comment, like she knows what she likes. Some, a lot of people get stuck. So that's fun. <laughs> cool. That was the game. So industry news. I don't know. I picked out a couple articles, and there was there was one recently in the New York Times that I thought was was fit this show very well because it was titled. How Tech Companies Disrupted Silicon Valley's Restaurant Scene. This was by Nicole Perlroth. And so it's just talking about how in Silicon Valley and Palo Alto out in California, how the, the restaurant scene is, is, is struggling a bit and um, kind of there's getting to be a void in the middle ground between like it seems like the, there's the 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 more casual takeout cuisines popping up and then some higher end restaurants, but the middle is kind of disappearing as restaurants are, restaurateurs are saying that there's a, a daily battle between rising rents, high local fees and acute labor shortages. And some of this is because tech tech giants like Apple, Facebook and Google are hiring away the line cooks and dishwashers and servers and giving them great perks and the restaurant owners can't match it. Um, I don't know if you saw this piece or have have any comments on this being that you go out to California, I know, for for some clients. (laughs) Yeah, I actually saw the piece and I thought it was it was funny that one of the examples they gave was a restaurant that had been closed to open up the Amex Venture Capital Office, which I do visit frequently. Ah, so I was like, I yeah. know exactly where you're talking about. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's really interesting because it's kind of talking about what are the ripple effects on a local community when there's so much change that's happening. And I think SF is just one example, but it's something that I think we're seeing in Seattle and lots of other cities as well. Right. And I think that... It's it's tough because I think from my perspective, the local restaurants that you can just, like I said before, love to eat in on, and you can just kind of sit by the chef's counter, and it's a dining experience, and it's not takeout, and it's not a $500, you 
treat that happens once in a while is sort of a fat, a key part of the community and is a part of your neighborhood and feeling at home. And so I think it's sad to hear that those restaurants are at a disadvantage, especially because of what's going on in the labor market. Yeah. And I think this is, I mean, something's come up on my show before just about yeah. a shortage of line cooks. And mm-hmm. I think it's something that's, that's, you know, it's not just happening in Silicon Valley, I think, mm-hmm. but I mean, they were comparing to New York City prices, which I mean, restaurants have these, these struggles. We talk about a lot, you know, with mm-hmm. high rent and just, you know, making, making ends meet. It's just, I think I think a lot of people get in the restaurant business thinking it's going to be glamorous and they can make a lot of money really fast and it's just it's it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, I don't I think in all of my years I've never heard a restaurateur say that it was a really that the hours they put in really made up for kind of all the work that they had to do or that they were really getting paid enough to go beyond just a love or a passion for the industry. Yeah. No, it is. Well, it's tough. a passion. It's a passion mm-hmm. project, like like my radio show. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, like my tech table. <laughs> exactly, passion projects. We totally. all have them. I think this will be an interesting space to continue to, or just it'll be interesting to see what the outcome is in these markets with the changes. I know there's so much going on from a regulatory perspective with minimum wages going up, or operators trying innovative things like hospitality included right. that USHG has mm-hmm. brought along and um, lots of technology-based startups like a culinary agents that are kind of trying to help be like sit as kind of a marketplace, for lack of a better term, between operators and the labor that they need. So I'd be curi- I'll be curious to see kind of how these things actually come to life and if they end up solving these problems or... Um, kind of what the ultimate outcome is here. Right. Yeah, me too. And another another news that from U- USHG, which is groundbreaking news in the title. So Eater <laughs> wrote about it, how USHG's chief culture officer, Aaron Moran, explains how the groundbreaking parental leave plan came together. And this was by Greg Morabito. So this happened last week, talking about how Danny Meyer and Union Square Hospitality Group has announced a parental leave plan that is uncommon for the the restaurant industry, and he's now offering all full-time workers who have been employed within the company for a year or more, they will get 100% of their pay for the first four weeks after they become parents, um, when a child is born or adopted, and then for four weeks after that, they will be offered 60% of their base pay. And in this article, Aaron Moran was saying there wasn't a company-wide parental leave policy before there just wasn't a policy, and so they're implementing this, which is which is huge. And and uh, again, it shows the the forward thinking of Danny Meyer and USHG. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really um, inspiring. And as I don't know if it's in this article or any of the other coverage, but really overall, the U.S. really falls behind a lot of other countries in terms of their leave, mm-hmm. their parental leave. And so I think it's really exciting to see restaurant groups or even just like business owners taking the onus on themselves to carve out something that's innovative and really the right thing for their teams and helping them as they're going through a really important life change. And so 
I think it's really cool to hear that Danny's doing this, especially like you were saying just before sharing an industry where the margins are not great. Right. So it can be quite expensive for the bottom line to be able to carve this out. But I think it's just really interesting and hopefully motivates other companies, even inside or outside the hospitality industry, to be more forward thinking here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how they're making this work, but it was a good interview, this this piece, and there were more articles on this. Um, so uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more. It's supposed to start um, effective January 2017. Awesome. Yes. And, uh, so, and then the last piece of news I had was sad news about how Carnegie Deli is closing um, at the end of 2016. And this article I had in the New York Post by Steve Cuso. And so Carnegie Deli, New York institution, it was founded in 1937, which makes it almost 80 years old. And I mean, they've had they've had some issues. They were temporarily closed this closed because of a gas leak, and then they had some legal problems with wages and things. And it just sounds like the the owner is is she's just um, the quote in here says that she's at a stage in her her life where the early mornings to late nights have taken a toll, along with sleepless nights and grueling hours, and she's just ready ready to to close it down. But then I saw a follow-up piece a couple days ago about how a dishwasher may be trying to buy it that works there. So (laughs) I didn't hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know, but anyways, this is, it's sad when, when iconic restaurants, um, close and uh, I don't know, I've been to Carnegie Deli, so I'll, I'm sorry to hear this. Yeah, me too. It's like we were saying before, I mean, restaurants are so such a fabric of the local community and Carnegie Deli definitely I mean I think when I was a kid and visiting New York City we would go there it was like a go-to spot with my family and so it's just sad to hear that it's closing but I hope that it has a second life maybe yeah I hope so too I mean it seemed I I feel I feel that there may be there I feel like it's it might not be a total done deal people might want to save it so I hope they do I hope so too. <laughs> Need a place to get those pastrami sandwiches. I mean, definitely. I recently <laughs> moved to LA and I have not yet found a replacement. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's one of those one of a kind one of a kind places. Definitely. So. All right, so we're going to take one more break. We're going to come back and I'm going to do my solo dining experience, and then we'll have the final question. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Music for this break is brought to you by Shadowbox, and this track is called Let's Not.
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Tusk. Here's the rundown. The location, 2448 East Burnside Street in Portland, Oregon. The concept, a Middle Eastern restaurant and bar. The executive chef, Joshua McFadden, and chef, Sam Smith. Why did I go? Because this new spot was, or is, one of Portland's most highly anticipated openings. My experience. So I made a resi reservation for one. When I arrived, I checked in. I opted to sit at the bar rather than a table. Fit my mood for that evening for whatever reason. The bartender was very helpful in guiding me through the menu, and uh, I enjoyed a nice selection of dishes. What did I get? I had the feta with za'atar, rose petals, hibiscus, and flax cracker, a small hummus and tusk flatbread, tomato salad with shiso, pistachios, and green peppercorns, and a grilled chicken skewer with basil and sweet onion. My take, everything was quite tasty and went perfectly together. I per- particularly enjoyed the feta and tomato salad combo. The ambiance, light and airy with a modern feel, quite different than a lot of the typical rustic style venues in PDX. I'd say it's perfect for hummus cravings and Mediterranean fare. Interesting tidbit, Tusk comes from the team behind Ava Jean's, a very popular Italian restaurant in Portland. Chef Smith was previously its chef de cuisine, and prior to that, he worked at Michael Solomonov's Zahav in Philadelphia, which is known for its outstanding hummus and more. Personal fun fact, I dined solo a couple nights earlier at the bar at Ava Jean's, and it was excellent. And a few years ago in Philadelphia, I dined solo at the bar at Zahav. Also excellent. The cost of my meal was $30, not including tip, but there is no tax. Would I go back? Yes, when in Portland. Website, tuskpdx.com. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So, Becky, um, next week I'm having on Ali Buzari. He is the co-founder of Pilot R&D, which is a culinary research and development company. And he's a chef with a Ph.D. in food biochemistry and the author of a new book, which we'll be talking mostly about. And the book is called Ingredient, Unveiling the Essential Elements of Food. So, Becky, can you ask a question for Ali? Sure. He sounds exceptionally smart and accomplished. So he probably knows way more than I do in this segment. I'm I'm a little (laughs) nervous. I'm going to have to study up. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. But um, I don't know. I feel like last year I was reading all this really cool stuff about 3D printing food and that that could be just like a really interesting solve to some food needs around the world and just really cool. I'm just curious if that's like something that is really for real. And has legs, and if it's something he's kind of looked into. Okay, I will find out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really glad this worked out. I'm so glad I got to meet you at Tech Table, and thank you for coming on the show today. It was really great to talk with you and learn more about your career and what's happening at the conference. Thanks so much for having me, Sherry, and for coming to the event and being such a supporter. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I really, I really loved being there. It was, it was a great day, and I, I will stay tuned for whatever is going to come with, with Tech Table Summit. Awesome. 
So my guest today has been Becky Tarani. She's the Director of Client Management at American Express. She's also the co-founder of Tech Table Summit. You can find out more about Tech Table Summit at their website, techtablesummit.com. On social media, she's at Fancy Freely. You have also at Tech Table Summit. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. You can always find all of our shows archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. I'd like to give a shout-out to my fall season sponsor, One House Hospitality Headhunters. Their website is one-house.com. Their Twitter is at one underscore house, and Instagram is one house, and that's spelled O-N-E-H-A-U-S. Also, they are doing a cool farm-to-turntable event on October 14th at North Brooklyn Farms in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It's Jamaican cuisine meets roots reggae. It sounds really fun. Find out more. Go to their Facebook page, One House. Thanks always to my fabulous engineer, Pierre. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with another live show. Till then, thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. But there ain't no reason to worry about what you don't know.